0: This podcast is all about exploring different journeys to reinvention so that you can learn the strategies for how to successfully launch your next reinvention. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the School of Reinvention podcast. I am your host, Roger Osorio, a reinvention coach, speaker, and author of The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passions, and Purpose. I'm incredibly excited to be here with Ilana Weinstein, who is a poet, learning and development career professional, and a very proud New Yorker. Though she holds two business degrees from Pace University and Binghamton University, she has always had a deep love for art. She wrote, When I Became Light, to chronicle her own coming of age in the city she loves most in hopes of being the example she needed when growing up as she tackled and continues to tackle adulthood. Uh, Ilana enjoys any dish involving noodles, dancing anywhere and everywhere, and spending time with her family and friends. She is passionate about all the little magical corners of the world, and will absolutely say yes if you ask her to watch a sunset. She believes that poetry is for all to enjoy. I'm especially excited because Ilana and I met through our publishing house, because we both published through the same company, and we met at another author's book launch. So it's a really cool community that we get to be a part of. It was awesome to get to connect with her and hear her story. And right away, I knew that we needed to bring her on to the School of Reinvention podcast so that we can talk about her journey to reinvention, the role that the book played in her life, the book project that is played in her life through ups and downs. And while I'm not going to spoil it any more than that, Ilana, thank you so much for your time. Tell us a little bit about yourself in your uh, in your own words.
1: Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored. Also, I've never heard anyone read my bio out loud. And it was so nice. Like You read it so nicely. <laughs> I'm a lot of, this is so much fun. This is my first podcast ever. By day, I do learning and development within the tech industry. I've been in the tech industry for my entire career. But I think I've written poetry for even longer. I started writing poetry as a high schooler. Just sort of tucked all the poems away, like in my phone and on my laptop and said, you know, one day I'll write a book, one day I'll write a book, and then never really did anything um, until an opportunity fell into my lap and uh, has brought me all of this wonderful opportunity, all of these really cool people, and let me accomplish my dream of, of writing a poetry book.
0: You know, one of the things that I talk a lot about is the power of projects and how important and powerful projects are as a vehicle to create future possibilities for ourselves. And in the near term, even more importantly, to create fulfillment, opportunities for us to do things that we love, to tap into our best selves and really unleash a lot of fulfillment in our lives, even if we're not getting it in other areas, maybe in our careers or relationships or whatever it might be. This is our opportunity to take some control of our lives and say, you know what? I'm gonna have this piece of my life for me. I'm gonna design it for me, do it my way and have fun with it, and then hopefully, over time, right, you can address the other areas of your life coming in from a stronger place. And so you have an incredible story to share with us and some really awesome lessons. So let's not wait any longer. Let's go right into the book project, because you and I had this really great conversation about the role that the book project played in your life. And you just alluded to that, how, you know, you came across this opportunity. So tell us a little bit more about that and the role that it played in your life going across a couple of jobs.
1: So the book opportunity fell into my lap by someone that I dance with, <laughs> just like really randomly a girl that I met in our dance class. She had published a book with our publishing house over the pandemic. And then one day I was like standing behind her and I was like, I think I should go talk to her. And it was sort of this divine timing situation to then allow me to get into the program. This is the first creative endeavor I've ever really had. Not that my world of learning and development isn't creative, but it's definitely not creative in the same way that writing a book or producing any sort of art is creative. So this was really, it was sort of scary, but it was also really exciting. I started the program in February of 2022. So I work during week, days a week, and then I, the weekends I would like go sit in a coffee shop and live my like Brooklyn poet in a coffee shop dreams. (laughs) And that balance was really cool and really fun. I have never really used my, like, creative brain so much like that. It was nice to see that I could do it. It made me feel really proud of myself. Here I have been writing poetry on my own for... 10, 15 years, but I was like, am I really a poet? Am I really an artist? Is this really a thing? And I got to live that out. And that was that was one of the coolest things.
0: I love what you shared about the, you know, we talked a lot about this actually in our previous conversation. You know, you got to live out that Brooklyn poet, Brooklyn writer life. And I wanna talk about that for a moment. Let's double click on that because I feel like there, there's something there about a role that you wanted. It seems like it was something maybe you looked forward to one day or at least wanted to explore. And you were able to create that role in your life in a very specific way because you even had a day dedicated to playing that role in your life. Tell me a little bit more about that role and just your thinking behind saying, hey, this is on Saturdays. I believe it was weekends, right? Weekends were your day to be the, the writer in a Brooklyn coffee shop or in a Brooklyn cafe. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it was Saturdays. That was Saturdays or Sundays, depending on, on what was going on. I don't know. I have always loved art. Art is something that's really, really important to me. But at a certain point in my life, it became like not a lucrative thing for me to pursue. I was like, okay, I need to like make money and support myself and and all of these things because my work was not necessarily like as strong that I could like sustain a living off of it. So I sort of put the art piece on a back burner and it was very much like art is my hobby, which I loved, but it just wasn't something that I got to do every day or every week. It was like when I had a minute. So this... Role on Saturdays and Sundays was really fun. It was something for me to look forward to, something I'd always wanted. And I was like, wow, I actually, I can make the space for this and I can have time to do it. And I really enjoyed it. I would sit there for like four hours. I don't know how productive you are for the entirety of four hours, but I was really enjoying myself. So I would sit there. And that was a cool experience to to get to have after years of looking for this like artistic outlet that was more sustainable.
0: Whether you were productive the four hours or not, I think you said the key, which was that you enjoyed that time, and that's what I'm hearing. And I think that for any of us who maybe the bigger role in our life, let's say at this point in time, is not bringing you the fulfillment or the satisfaction, and we're seeing that in terms of disengagement rates. You know, Gallup re- uh, recently released a report talking about how. I think it was 68% of people report themselves as being disengaged. And I can't remember if it was 14 or 18% of that, um, or 14 or 18%, um, report being actively disengaged. So they're within that disengaged group, but they're extra disengaged. These are like the quiet quitters and all of that. And when we think about, you know, taking those extra steps to really just be as disengaged as you can be. This is not fun, right? Nobody wakes up and says, I can't wait to be disengaged. We all prefer to be engaged in our work, engaged in what we do. But hearing what you did here and regardless of your particular situation, like during the week, I mean, this is nice. Like you're like, hey, I had fun for those four hours. I'm sitting in the cafe. I get to play out this role that means a lot to me and that I draw happiness and fulfillment from. And so I think that's something that we can all take away. In terms of can we carve out like where where which four hours can we carve out for ourselves and to play some role it might be, you know, being the the writer at the cafe, it could be being the runner, you know, maybe like there's a part of you that wants to be an outdoors person you so go for that hike and just say, you know, Saturday mornings are my it's when I go into hiker mode, you know, or whatever that activity is going to be for you. For me, I mean, coffee shops had always played a really big role. And so that was always something really special. But, you know, there were moments where I just wanted to go into soccer player role, you know, where I want to play, where I want to go and play. So Sunday mornings, that was my time for that. And, you know, it brings me joy, productive or not. Did I run the hardest or not? You know, I always strive to play well, but I didn't have to, to have a good time. And that was the beauty of these chosen areas, chosen projects, chosen uh, opportunities or whatever it is that you want to call it. Because we decide what's fun and what's not. And we decide, we can call it anything we want. And if we feel it's fun, then it's fun.
1: The other thing is like, I, because I had that time, I was not just sitting at work being like, I wish I got to, right? I had this, I was able to sit and focus on on my job and things that are, are also important while still knowing I got to pursue this really awesome thing. Just I had dedicated time for it.
0: Exactly. And the key there, the key word that I'm hearing is you dedicated time to it. I think that's really... For me, at least, it's all it's ever taken. It's just deciding I am going to allocate this time. It doesn't have to be a lot. It doesn't even have to be four hours. Goodness, it could be one hour. <laughs> that, that, that's it. I was never really a runner. And I remember during the pa- pandemic, all of a sudden, I felt like this role might actually bring me a little bit of joy because when we were in those lockdowns, right, it, we were home a lot. And that was just really, it was, for me, it was such a downer. And so to get out, find an excuse to get out of the apartment for a little while, I was just like, well, can't go to the gym anymore because they shut down and all of these other opportunities shut down. So I thought, you know what? Let me assume the role of a runner, but I'm not a hardcore runner, so I won't be out for like a two hour run (laughs) or anything crazy like that. So, but you know what? I will do a walk and run. I'll walk part of the way and I'll run part of the way or run and then walk. And I started like that and it was just an hour of my day, but wow, did I love that hour and I just felt different. It was a different version of me that got to be out on that run. So I I love what you said. It's just a matter of choosing that you're going to do this, dedicating the time and going for it. So the other thing I want to talk about here, and let's go into the next part of this, which is, you know, the book project happened to span a few key moments in your life, you know, one of which was a layoff. Tell us about that. Tell us about that part of the layoff journey and how the book project played a role during that moment. Because I think there's a lot that our listeners can learn from you when it comes to that part of your journey
1: yeah totally random sort of aside that is sort of funny with that is that i started writing the book right around the same time i made like 17 different changes in my life so like the layoff was one that i didn't intentionally end up (laughs) like planning for but i had moved apartments and i had started dating my partner and then started writing the book within and then got laid off within like four weeks of each other So I threw myself into tumult accidentally, but yeah, I started the writing program that both Roger and I did. And then one week later, I was laid off in the first big Peloton layoff in February of 2022. It was my first layoff. (laughs) I had successfully avoided those for a large percentage of my career. And while it was really disappointing and I was very proud of my role, having the book was awesome because it it gave me something to, to really work on. Uh, it gave me structure, right? Like, here's my dedicated hour, except now my dedicated hour is in the middle of the day on a Wednesday because I can. But it's the, my dedicated hour nonetheless. And it also gave me a lot of purpose. I think that's something that's really common in the tech industry, Roger, you and I have talked about this, is that tech people who work in tech love working in tech and it's sort of their like whole existence. And then when something like a layoff happens, they don't have and they don't feel like their sense of self is still there. So the fact that I had this external project really helped me retain a sense of self in something that was and could have been very very traumatic losing my job. So I was really grateful actually for the timing of that, believe it or not.
0: And I think that right there is something really important because when you know, when we get into our careers and our jobs, you know, we may technically sign up for 40 hours, but it consumes more of our life. And even if it's just 40 hours, that's still a lot. And so it ends up becoming a big part of our identity, a big part of ourselves and you know, I went through a layoff as well and it's hard. You feel like, wow, like what the heck just happened? Like, you know, from one day to another, you you know, your whole life changes, you know, eight hours or eight to 10 hours of my day is just now become empty. And so if you identified those eight to 10 hours as part of who you are, that got wiped out. And so I love what you said about how the book played a role in terms of it gave you like an anchor, it gave you some sort of consistency, even during a very rocky moment, a very tough moment, you were able to say, well, I still have this, like, I'm, And maybe now I just have more time at the cafe. I I guess I just got promoted to a full-time poet in Brooklyn cafes. Like, wow, congrats to me. (laughs) Professional
1: coffee shop lurker is like (laughs) this.
0: Yes. yes. Well, you know, because you can't write the whole time, right? Like eight, nine hours. So yeah, part-time lurker, (laughs) part-time writer, you know, but always a poet, always a poet. So (laughs) there we go. But yeah, I... You know, I think that's a really powerful idea, and and it's I think it's one of the benefits of any projects is because you know we don't get laid off from our projects, you know we decide if we stop them that's up to us. But your project was something you always had control over, and I'm sure there some people might have argued I I shouldn't worry I shouldn't focus on this anymore, and I think this is actually a bad way to go. And I want to hear your thoughts on this. You know, those who choose like Hey, I just got laid off. I got to shift all my focus to the job hunt now so i don't have time to write my book i'll write my book when i'm back into secure in a secure job and i've got my salary what do you what are your thoughts on that
1: i sort of feel like i, I don't know for me writing the book was like the number one item on my bucket list like anytime anyone ever asked me for a fun fact i was like my number one like bucket list item is to write a book and i sort of feel like when things happen they happen for a reason so the the program fell into my lap with this girl that I danced with and it like sort of was spontaneous and I was like this is meant to happen. So even though the the layoff came shortly after, I was like no, this is not a sign to give up on my dream. I've gotten this opportunity. I also now have this very bizarre opportunity to dedicate slightly more time to it <laughs> than I had originally <laughs> accounted for. So as far as people who want to put their projects aside when something happens, I understand the need for that. But I I actually think that your project Makes you more marketable, in a way. Let's say you do get laid off, right? That's that's the big crazy thing that's happened that has interrupted your project. When you interview, right, you actually have something really cool to talk about. Your whole personality has not become "I interview for jobs." It is "I interview for jobs," and I'm also doing this thing that was really important to me that I've now been blessed with extra time to do. Here's what it's about, and here's why it's important to me. It shows. Dimensionality as a person, and and it's really drawing away from my whole personality as my job. It pours into here's who I am, and here's what I'm passionate about, which I think is so special.
0: That's a really important point. You know, it draws away from the work situation, which, if we only focus on that, then technically I could say I'm unemployed. Although that's not even the only answer you could say in that situation. You could say, I'm an accountant. I actually just had a conversation with somebody who was fired almost 40% of his career, like got fired. <laughs> so <laughs> he enjoy- he has enjoyed being fired quite a bit. Uh, well, I'm not sure he enjoyed it, but he was fired <laughs> a lot. And he, <laughs> he shared some really powerful insights. And one was that just because you don't have a job anymore, it doesn't mean you stop being like who you are. And you, you brought this up in another way, and I'm going to come back to that, but I just want to quickly bring up you know, John's perspective, which was if you're an accountant or a marketer or an actor or whatever the heck you are, laid off, fired or not, whatever it is, you still are that. The only difference is you're not that for XYZ company. You know, that's the only thing that changed is you're not that for XYZ company. You are now currently available. It's like you're a consultant, right? Just because you're a consultant without a client doesn't stop you from being a consultant. You're just a consultant currently in between client gigs. That's it. And you're currently in between, you know, jobs. And so you're just looking for the next major client in your life. But what you said, you know, in a similar way was that The project, you know, if you want to take a little bit of that attention away and shift it towards something different where someone can get to know you on a different level, the project gives you that. It's like that opportunity for you to say, I'm a writer, I'm a poet, you know, I'm working on my book. And well, there we go. We don't have to talk about whatever the heck happened over here because we're talking about something really cool and exciting. Tell me more about your book project. What is it about? You know, we invite that conversation. So I love that you brought that up because I think that's like a that's a really big thing. Tell us a little bit more about, you know, your realization. You mentioned when we spoke the first time, you know, when, when um, you saw some of your friends getting laid off. I think that's when things started to really become clear, like how important this book project was to you.
1: After being in the, the tech industry for so long, of course, my layoff was sort of the first domino to fall. So very shortly after, a lot of my friends and colleagues were experiencing similar things at, at other companies. And I also, in my spare time, this is really random. I write resumes. I have no idea why I enjoy this. I just have always done it. So I do people's resumes. Uh, so I, as my friends were getting laid off, they were reaching out to me and and saying, hey, Lana, can you take a look at my resume? And I would be like, yeah, absolutely. Happy to help. Like, how are you doing? Like, what's, how are we feeling? And everybody was like, I'm heartbroken. I'm struggling. I feel like I have nothing. It is also my social network my job is my structure and i at that point you know as the the bigger layoffs started happening had found another role and i was i was working and i was able to take a look at my period of being laid off a little differently where i was like wow i don't think i had any of those emotions i mean yeah i was i was bummed and getting laid off is absolutely scary there's a big financial component to getting laid off i don't want to like just overlook that like that's a huge huge deal. But as far as feeling lost i don't think i felt lost i actually felt like i had a lot of control in my layoff and and i actually think that was because i had this other thing that i was intentionally making time for that was still really really important to me while i was doing sort of the necessary i must look for another job and do my networking and and update my resume sort of situation and i was finding that my, my friends didn't have that so much so I'm definitely one of those people who's on a big crusade to make sure that everybody finds their passion project, their like outside of work thing that really makes them feel complete because it just makes such a difference when something out of your control like that
0: happens. And I think that's the key right there. What you just said is there are going to be things that happen in our life that are out of our control, but that doesn't mean that we can't have things that are more within our control, such as the projects we choose or the relationships we decide to engage with and really invest in there's so many different areas of our lives work isn't the only thing but of course you know we live in a society where a lot of times work is what is is like the only thing we talk about it's the only thing like we highlight when we introduce ourselves we don't say much about the other sides of our life we talk about oh here's my role and the company that i serve at the moment and that's it like that's how we introduce ourselves so of course i get it like you know it's it's hard not to disconnect those things but these projects they really round us out and in a way where we get to do a lot of the picking you know one could argue as well that we pick our jobs too and yes like i hope you know we can all pick our jobs but i know there's moments in my career where i didn't get to choose that you know sometimes i just had to apply for the things that were available and open and whatever, and and wait for somebody to choose me, hopefully, and then take it from there and try to navigate that for a while and make the best of it. But again, the projects, projects were always like the ones that I got to choose. I got to choose my tutoring clients. I got to choose the work I did when I tutored outside of my day job and worked with math students. And even if it had nothing to do with what I was doing by day, that was something that just brought me a different type of joy. By the way, even if you enjoy your day job, it, it, there's no harm or foul in having a passion project or a side hustle that also brings you fulfillment in a different kind of way.
1: I think it brings me back to the different sides of my brain thing, right? I, I do love what I do and I'm very passionate about it. I'm very passionate about learning and professional growth. But I also feel like my book and my side projects are part of professional growth. So it's really all just like one gigantic thing. But I do get to exercise a level of creativity that I don't get to exercise in my regular day job. I also just had like a thought as you were talking. (laughs) It's so funny that you said people introduce themselves by their jobs. I was just talking to a friend this week who works at another large tech company. And she literally said that. She was like, I am looking to find something that I can introduce myself with that's not where I work. She's like, I literally start with my name and I work for X. And I was like, wow, I didn't, I, I can only imagine how often we do that especially since lots of people, a lot of us identify really strongly with our jobs. Like I would love to actually like analyze how many times someone introduces themselves and then says, I work for X is like their first thing.
0: And I think that a big part of that is just that, it, you know, it's repetition. It's, it, it's just what we've been doing for so long. It's what we were trained to do at university. You know, when they were getting us ready for the real world, they taught us how to introduce ourselves and, and that was a big part of it. And so and that's OK. You know, it served us for a minute. right? there was a moment where we needed to learn that skill and that response because that was appropriate for that part of the journey. But now there's so much more to us. There's so much, And we're aware of it because when I was younger, I wasn't aware of all of, you know, my facets. I didn't understand them all yet. I was still getting to know them. So it was hard for me to present that or at least talk about it. Now it's a lot easier to talk about, you know, my love for coaching, my love for teaching math. Wait, what? You coach people in their reinventions? You teach math? Like, I don't understand that. Yeah, I also teach at university. Wait, so you teach adults too? Like, what the heck's going on? And you play Legos and you like wine and, you know, like, what what is happening here? But yeah, these are all of our facets. And, you know, I I think it's something I want to think about as well Is like, I wonder what that other introduction could be where I maybe don't talk about my business and where maybe I talk about... Three things that I just that absolutely light me up, and I do dedicate time to on a regular basis. And they they say they do more to say who I am than just the company that I started or the company I work for.
1: I did intentionally this. This took some practice. I flipped on my LinkedIn my like byline like underneath, and I took away my regular nine to five and I put poet up front. And it's it's something I'm really getting used to because. (laughs) It is still new for me to consider myself like a full-fledged poet. I'm comfortable with writer-poet we're working on, but I did it anyway. And I was like, you see poet first, and then you and you see like the title of my book, and then you see my day job.
0: I love it. That's super cool. And and you just recently did that. You know, it's, it's a big deal, though. I get it. Like that headline, right? You know, you think, I know I think carefully about it any time that I put anything in there. I recently shifted it as well in a, not that kind of direction, but I thought, let me put like the value that I bring, like what how I, th- how I really believe that I show up in the world to help people rather than saying, you know, maybe like, oh, a founder or a coach or a speaker or whatever. And then the, I think the only one I kept at this point is author. So I think I put that one at the end, you know, because it's a new one that I'm excited about. It's become a big part of my life. But I, I lead now with like, here's what I d- help people do. And I think that's just a... I'm like, cool, now you get to know like, it doesn't really matter what company I work for, I'm still gonna help people do that. Like, like it doesn't really matter what like, you know, if it's my company, somebody else's company, like I'm, that's what I love doing. So there we go. Hopefully people, you know, can appreciate getting to know that side of me. Let's talk a little bit about your journey. And, you know, going back to university, you know, you talked about in your bio, the two business degrees, but there was a creative side to you. So, you know, there was a more creative side, but you went the way of business. And when we had our prep call, you talked a little bit about like these twists and turns along the journey. So tell us a little bit about how your career evolved or went in a direction different than, let's say, your writing and your other work.
1: I do like business. I was raised in sort of a a business family. A lot of my, my family members are in the business world. So I grew up in that environment. I definitely held on to the love of writing throughout the entire thing. There's like a very vivid memory. I have an old friend from undergrad who used to sit in front of me in our capstone management class and I did not pay attention at all in that class. Not one ounce. I would write poetry during that class and she would turn around and be like, can I look at your notes? And I would be like, they're not notes. (laughs)
0: They are masterpieces. Uh, Yeah, maybe. I
1: I do actually think maybe one or two did make it into the book. They've been edited so many times that I don't remember in their final form. But in the beginning of the actual book, those are the oldest poems. Uh, They're sort of in semi-chronological order. So a couple of them may have made it in. So anyway, um, I held on to it really. And then when I joined the tech industry, which I thought it was so cool that you were meeting interesting people in tech and, and there were people who had lots of different dimensionality to them. And there were these sort of non-traditional jobs and funky stuff like teaching adults how to learn, which is what I do now. I definitely took it in that direction. And then once I found my footing in learning and development, I was like, okay, now is the time for me to like let out this the artist that is begging and screaming and banging on the on the doors to be like let me have my chance so so I did
0: the way you just described that you know that there was an artist inside of you really just screaming to get out like please let me out I think that's a really interesting idea because I wonder how many of us have someone inside of us like you know a role a persona something screaming to get out as well and and are we listening Are we doing something about it or not? Or are we just kind of ignoring it for now? I know there was a time on my journey where after I had done some teaching and I actually tried to go away from it because I thought, gosh, I need to be doing something that makes more money, that where people respect you more and all these kinds of things that's worthy of having two master's degrees and all this kind of stuff. I was just like, all right, start looking for those other things like consulting or whatever, more businessy sounding things. And then there was a part of me that just kept wanting to go back to teaching, like, and just could not be happy here. And, and I tried so hard to ignore that part, that voice. But you know, it's, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't, I think I liked the way it was just banging on the door, like, let me the hell out of here right now. (laughs) Or I'm going to cause some trouble in your life. And uh, you know what, it probably would have if I didn't listen. And it was scary and tough to listen to that. But when I did, Wow, like it's such a relief. Tell me about the feeling when you when you answered the call, when you answered the door.
1: Oh, that's a good one. I like that's very poetic of you, Roger. I'm learning. <laughs> See, this is my thing about considering myself a poet. I'm I'm still working on it. Yeah, I think it was a great deal of relief and excitement. I definitely did not and was not ready to like swing all the way to the left and be like I am, you know, reinventing myself as, a, as, a, as an artist. I just do this now. Like, um, I still wanted there to be a, a lot of dimensionality and I wanted there to be other things that I was able to do, many facets to my personality, many different roles. But the fact that I could do it and it like didn't suck was awesome. I went into this, obviously wanting to publish a book of poetry. I never submitted to contests. I never had other people look at my work. I was like, I taught myself how to do this because I'm dramatic and have a lot of feelings. I don't, I don't have any training. I don't have any English degrees. I just like I don't want to get turned down by a big publishing house. I also don't want to give up the rights to my work. I want to do this my way. But I obviously had like a lot of parameters that I had set for myself. So when I found the program and I started writing and an actual book and an actual story started coming together, I was like, oh my God, I can do this. This is like actually decent. Like, is it is it for everybody? Probably not. But I, I love it. And I'm proud of it. I'm so proud of it. And that I don't know if I expected to get to the point of proud
0: of it. I mean, because that's it's just a very real story of, you know, answering that call. It's not uh, it's not straightforward. And, you know, there are I love what you said like you weren't ready to go all the way into something and that wasn't the point like even that wasn't even what you're looking to do but there still was a way to answer that door at the end of the day and there was an opportunity that allowed you to do it in the way that felt right and the right amount for you and for others it might be like hey look I got to open that door all the way and and that's fine like that's cool too. But I think the key here is that you were re- you were very aware of that voice. You listened to it. You really thought about it and reflected on it. And, you know, in the end, you took some sort of action that started moving you in the direction of letting that person out, that persona out. Even though, to your point, like you said, most of your career, you were writing really just for yourself. But I would say that in that time, you developed the values By which you pursued the actual opportunity to go out in public with your work. For instance, you said you wanted to own your work. That was a really important thing for you. Well, that probably came from writing for yourself. When you do that enough, you're like, you realize, no, this is, I'm going to do this on my terms. It's going to be my way. And we have that opportunity now for anyone listening. You know, you can write a book and publish it yourself and with help, you know, because it doesn't have to be the completely self-published route where, you know, you you just write it and then hit upload, you know, maybe read it once real quick and then hit upload after a spell check or something like that. No, you can hire some editors. They're not as expensive as you think. It's, you know, it's a doable thing if you really want to bring your book to life and you can do that. And then of course there's the traditional path where you can go with a, you know, some sort of bigger publishing house. You know, that's a different thing. It all depends on what, you're, what what's right for you. But I love how you determined what was right for you, partly because you were always in tune with that voice.
1: That's so nice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've never really thought about it that way, to be completely honest with you. I love that thinking. I, I also think that getting started doesn't even necessarily need to be hiring someone. The One of the most beautiful pieces of the publishing process through the program that Roger and I did is the beta readers process. I don't know if you had these. I loved them. This was the coolest thing ever. So basically after I submitted my manuscript to be like approved and it was like an actual semi book, (laughs) like a half-baked book, they let us get feedback from like people in our lives. And this was the first time I had ever shown some of these pieces to people in my life. I had like a poetry blog in college that went nowhere. Nobody read it. So (laughs) really like nobody had ever actually seen it and all of my readers were female except for one. And he was amazing because he was like, I don't relate to some of the things that you're saying, but I'm able to get so much from other pieces that like, yeah, I totally feel like this applies to me and I think it's beautiful and this is how I interpret this and this is, this, this is what resonates for me and I, I find this so powerful. And getting to hear what other people took from my poems, whether they were... Editors or just people in my life was so encouraging. So I would, I would say start with the people in your life <laughs> and then go on to the editor. Yeah,
0: that's a, that, I, I love that you brought up the beta readers part. That for me was a pretty magical moment as well. And thinking about who I wanted, at times I thought I didn't even do it right. I'm like, oh, I should have had so many more beta readers. But I feel like I was very selective of who I brought into that process, looking for people who I really believed were going to be very straight up, direct, honest with me. And um, and and that's what I that's what we needed, right? Like we needed to hear like the real unfiltered responses to the book as someone's reading it, not the overthought response, not the oh you forgot a period here or you misspelled this word. I don't need that. Don't worry. <laughs> but it was like you know getting that. And you're right, that's a really powerful way. But it's a great way to st- get started with sharing your work, sharing it with people that you trust and that you pick yourself, so that you can then ease your way into it. And to your point. The feedback you get is really incredible it's validation it's feedback it's it helps your work develop and grow but at the same time you really understand the impact it could possibly make on the world by getting a taste of that through your beta readers and they get to tell you about that that's one of the things i got out of it honestly like if i had looked at more feedback like i mean i didn't realize this until the feedback that came in through amazon but i would retitle my book from the feedback because people interpreted the book differently than I intended to put it out. And I thought, wow, this is really interesting. And maybe there will be an opportunity to do a second edition and change the name. But the feedback was so consistent that I thought, whoa, there would have been a better title. And it would have literally been the change of one word would have changed everything. But it, and it would have been the journey to reinvention and then there's the subtitle, but the word that would have changed is from journey to courage, the courage to reinvent. So maybe a little bit more changes, but more or less the same. So, yeah, that, that's like just an incredible way to begin that process for anyone who's listening in and maybe a little bit of a hesitant to share their work or hesitant to share that that persona inside of them. But you're like, I don't know if I want to share this with everyone that's cool. Then handpick the people you share it with. Like no one says you have to share it with everyone. And that's what, you know, we're talking about here. I want to talk about a couple, just a couple things as we wrap up here, because there were some interesting things that came up in our prep call. You told me a little bit about how you take breaks. You know, when you take a break, you take a dance lesson or like a break from the work you do or the things like that, or you write a poem. Tell me about that, because I'm always intrigued by how people like the rituals or the habits or the strategies that people take in navigating their day to day. And I just thought this one was something that when we were talking, I wrote this down. I might not have mentioned it to you, but I wrote it down because it stood out when you said this.
1: Oh, my goodness. This one's a surprise. I forgot that you wrote this down. (laughs) (laughs) For me, it's it is the different pieces of my brain, right? Like work is work is work brain. School is school brain. Poetry is like this creative artist brain and like a dance class or any sort of fitness activity, I'm, I'm really into that, is turn off the brain. Just, just turn it off. <laughs> I love especially a good like fitness activity that is so challenging that I can't actually think about anything else other than the activity that I'm doing. That is turning off my brain, right? Is it's like I'm taking a dance class and I'm concentrating so hard on the choreography and not falling that that is a break for me, right? Because it's turned off all of these other pieces that I'm thinking about. I have to do this at work. I have to write X poems. I have to reach out to this person. I have to like do emails. No, you concentrate on don't fall and do the choreography and, you know, also have fun. But (laughs) it's a way lighter to-do list. Same thing with a a cycling class or anything like that. It's just, it's one thing for me to focus on. And that's a break for me because it quiets all of the other things that I'm thinking about
0: just for a little while. Yeah. And, and, t- and tell us a little bit about, you know, if you've reflected on this, why is that important? Why would you say that's important? That quieting. And by the way, I love the strategy because it's it's like a forced quieting. Tell us a little bit like about the, the role that plays or why you think that's an important thing for people to do.
1: I'm going to call it compartmentalization, but I, I don't think that's the word that I want. I just can't think of a better one. <laughs> It'll come to me. I think that space is really important right? I have my wonderful passion project that I dedicate my time to. So I'm not thinking about it at work. I'm not sitting there being like, I wish I was doing this thing, right? I'm getting to focus on my job that I'm very proud to have in a field that I'm, I'm still very proud to work in, right? And that's my work time. And then it's creative writing time. You know, this is my passion project. This is what I'm working on. Or this is, you know, press for the book or appearances or bookstores or whatever. This is my dedicated time for this. And then this is my dedicated break where I don't have to sit while writing and thinking about, oh, man, I need a break or, oh, man, I should really work out. Like, no, this is, this is just my workout. This is what I'm doing. And that's offered so much space and made it so much more reasonable for me to, to take on a passion project. I think one thing that can be really scary about passion projects is the time. If I add this thing to my plate, am I going to still do well at my job? Um, am I going to still have time for family and friends? Am I going to be burnt out and tired, maybe too tired to do this? And I think this space has really made that possible.
0: Your thoughts on that that strategy and the role that that plays, I think that it's something that everybody listening can think about if they don't currently have that in their life. And I think there's like so many reasons why you know this could be something that just helps you step away disconnect i I get what you're saying that compartmentalize is not the right word but it's in the right direction like i I get where you're going with that It's. i feel like there's still like another word that's probably going to be better but you described it the way you described it i think really hits a nail on the head um so as we get to the end here and wrap up tell us is there anything you are working on next another project that is maybe in the works or you know, a a reinvention, something that is, you know, you're looking forward to at the moment.
1: What I'm about to say is in its own way, a reinvention. I am not taking on a project. Okay, (laughs) there we go. For the first time in a really long time, I have agreed. And I also have a bet with one of my best friends about the first person to fold and take on an extraneous project. He already lost by the way, but it's, (laughs) it's fine. I just needed to caveat that. Yeah, I am actively not, because I want to make sure that I get to enjoy this project that I have completed and I'm still sort of semi-working on. Yeah. And really get to enjoy all of that, not just for like a fleeting moment. The other thing is that the book took me 10 years to write, technically. The oldest poem in the book is 10 years old. So I think I might have to wait like another 10 years to come out with another one. (laughs) So (laughs) my reinvention of sorts right now is to not take on a project and really like enjoy the space that I've given myself.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think that, you know, what I'm hearing there is also, you know, celebrate to really, to your point, enjoy and take it in and enjoy this moment, celebrate this moment, this victory. Like you said, 10 years in the making. And, you know, it's not something that you want to, in your words, be a fleeting moment that just passes. And now you're on to the next project and that's in the past. Um, I, I love that. I think that's incredibly important that we stop to enjoy things we stop to celebrate whatever it is because otherwise, like, and what was the point of all of this? Like, you know, we chase, chase, chase for so long just so that we can get back into another chase or another race. And I love that you're being so thoughtful about that. Uh, and so thank you for sharing that and, you know, uh, and reminding people that, Hey, enjoy the project that you're, you're closing out. If there's one that you're closing out, take time to celebrate, enjoy it, you know, reflect on it, do all of those things. And you'll know when you're ready to jump into the next project and when you need that. So, that's, I think, the perfect way to end a really great conversation. Thank you so much again. I'm really excited that we got this opportunity to talk about your journey, your your author journey, and, of course, now what you're thinking about doing, which is taking a little break from projects, which I think is awesome. For anybody listening, in the show notes, you're going to find all of the links necessary to find Ilana's book and to find all the good things that she's working on. So everything will be there. You can also follow her on Instagram at... Homes by ilana and again all of this will be in the show notes so you'll be able to follow her um, and you know take a look at what she's working on on those channels but thank you so much again i appreciate your time i appreciate you hopping on this call so quickly with me we were it was only just a couple weeks ago that we were at at a at a book launch you know listening to uh lisa's book launch and now here we are getting to do this so thank you so much thank you so much for having
1: me this was so much fun
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the School of Reinvention podcast. Again, I'm your host, Roger Osorio. If you're ready to start your journey to reinvention and want to walk the path with others, visit www.rogerosorio.com and go to the School of Reinvention to check out for yourself how a community-based coaching platform can help you begin your next reinvention. You can also go to rogerosorio.com to purchase my new book, The Journey to Reinvention, and receive some exciting bonuses. Until next time, make your day great.